Good morning. I had uh, I had surgery back in July to remove a uh, a cancerous tumor from my body. I think most of you know about it. And so I wanted to give my thoughts on my life since then. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I ask that you send the Spirit to us to convict our hearts, to be still and focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those of you who have also been in scary situations, especially a health situation, you know that in the middle of that time, you, you tend to think a lot, right? Like, you, you kind of take stock of your lives, like, what have we done with our lives? What's important now, right? And, and where do we go from here, right? Next steps. And it really gets us thinking when our lives are at stake. And um, at first, I found myself bargaining with God. You know, God, if, if you let me live, I will clean up my act. You know, is it, is it too late for this, God? God, you know, please, please let me see Jonathan grow up. I want to see him grow up. I, I have so much that I want to teach him. You know, similar things to what my own father taught me. And this, this generational passing down of knowledge, wisdom, or, or skills. If you're a parent, you understand. Every, anyone ever been in a similar situation or know of people in a similar situation and mindset? You know, when, the, when this, yeah, when this cancer, when, you, when you're told you have cancer, your, your, your world just kind of, it gets upended and you get very anxious. Well, that was, that was me too. And so when it came down to it, I, I asked God, you know, what do you, what do you want of me? Is there unrepentant sin in my life? You know, no one's perfect. And so my, my first thought was maybe it's the stock market. <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm too focused on it. Maybe God was saying, stop focusing on the stock market. And after all, I had more recently taken a more active interest in the stock market. When I was in high school and college, um, I was very active in the stock market. I researched mutual funds and all that, all throughout college. When I graduated college, um, I got a job, and at that company, a friend and I, uh, we founded an investment club. We pulled together 18 to 20 other friends, uh, all working for the same company, and we met once a month to talk about the stock market and when to invest in. We even had bylaws, we voted on things, all good stuff. But after a few years, the investment club ran its course. Uh, people's careers were changing, people either moved away or quit, and it, get, it was getting complicated to keep the club going, because as people left, we had to get new people in. And people kept on cashing out, and then taxes were a pain. And after that, um, I kind of forgot about the stock market for a while. I lost interest, and for a couple decades, for 20 to 25 years, the most I ever did was I opened up that yearly letter, that end of the, the end of the year annual statement, you know what I'm talking about, right, and for my brokerage, and I'd file it away. I'd open up the mail, I'd look down at the total, and I'd go, hmm, and I'm like, and then I'd, I had a filing folder where I would just just followed away. 20 years. I almost never logged in to check my investments. I didn't, I, I just kind of ignored it. 
But then I got married, and I know a lot of you were at my, at my wedding. And then around when Jonathan was born, we opened up a college savings plan for him. And then I started getting interested in the stock market again. Man, I, I forgot about my finances for like a couple decades. And I, I, don't rec- I don't recommend that, by the way. I went from filing away yearly statements to logging in daily. I swung the pendulum from one end of the spectrum to the other. And if you're curious, there's, there's probably a good middle point. Maybe check a few times a year. <laughs> but it was like a hobby that I used to have and I dropped, and then it picked up again. And so my first thought in all this anxiety when you're told you have cancer was this parable from Luke 12. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. These are good problems to have, right? Then he said, all right, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns because they're too small, right? I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And I think about this, I'm like, yeah, the good life, right? But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Was I like the man who had stored up many things, even if accidentally for 20 years? But was I like that man who had stored up many things? But God says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Am I that man? Looking at brokerage websites and checking stock prices, and all the while, a cancerous tumor is slowly growing in my body. Now, I admit there are some things that money can solve, but there are some things that it cannot, like health issues. We all know many, many famous or rich people passed away too early due to health issues. Not because they didn't have enough money or insurance to help, but because they were incurable. My dad has this thing that he says to me, (laughs) if money can solve it, then it's not a problem. If money can solve it, then it's not a problem. And what he's really talking about is health issues because we know that all the money in the world can't solve some health issues. So in my process, I'm trying to behave and be better, right? And I try to show more grace to others, be more humble, and it's something I struggle with. And then I thought, can God see me? Is it working? Will he relent now? Will God say, Oh, I I see Andy working on himself. Okay, I won't smite him down anymore. So then am am I trying to improve? Am I trying to turn over a new leaf just for show? Just to show God that I have genuinely changed? I mean, I'm preaching right now, right? I hope God can see me preaching about this, right? He sees me doing good right now, right? I hope. Bargaining. Bargaining. I promise to be a good God. Just let, let me live longer. So then what are my true motivations? Have I truly repented? Or am I behaving now 
just because I want to live longer and grow old with my wife and see my son grow up? Do I truly feel bad about my sins, or am I just stopping my sins just so that I can live longer? Do I truly feel badly about my sins, or am I just stopping my sins just so that I can live longer? If so, then I make it about me and not God. And if it was about God, I would feel genuine sorrow that I've offended God, the God who has, not pro- who has provided not only everything for me, but he sent his son to die for me. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7, 10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow leads to salvation, worldly sorrow leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to salvation, worldly sorrow leads to death. So which is it for me? Which is it for Andy Coe? Do I have true, genuine, godly sorrow or do I have worldly sorrow? So it comes down to the age-old question. Are we sorry that we sin or are we sorry that we got caught? Are we really sorry that we sin or are we more sorry that we got caught? That we offended God Am I on the road to salvation or am I on the road to death? What am I supposed to learn from this experience, this uncertainty, all this anxiety that I feel in my body? Stop looking at my portfolio, be nicer to others. And I was just praying and meditating and thinking. I had a lot of time (laughs) during my recovery, which was hard for me, I had a lot of time to, to pray and think. One thing came coming back to me, and this all from from Jane, my wife, she kind of told me, and this phrase, be still and know that I am God, that phrase kept on coming back to me. In Psalm 48, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble, though we will not fear, sorry, therefore we will not fear, though the earth Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, God is our refuge and strength. We will not fear. Even all these bad things happen in verses 2 and 3. We will not fear. I'm going to skip to verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. We live in a world of busyness and distraction, especially with our internet-enabled smartphone. Am I right? I don't know about you, but if I'm in the right mood, I can knock out to-do lists. Anybody else relate? You get these to-do lists, and do you find joy when you get to check them off? Right, like, yes, I'm, I'm productive, right? But I have to be in the right mood. When I was single, sometimes I would vacuum at midnight. Anybody ever vacuum at midnight? Just me. Thank you. Eugene? KT? Okay. Right? You just get in the mood, and I'm like, and I'd finish. And and back then, my cats were still around, and they would look at me. I'm like, why is he vacuuming at midnight? And sometimes I start cleaning. 12, 12, 30, I'm like, cleaning. You have this urge, and when you're in that zone, can anyone else relate? You're in that zone to to, to start being productive. And when it comes to work items, I can get in that mindset and just start punching things out. 
We're taught that being productive, busy is a good thing. And if we're honest, we love being distracted by our phones. We are so worried about being bored. Let me ask, do you, know, do you guys know where your phones are right now? Exactly. Is it in your hand, your pocket, your purse, right next to you? Do you keep your phone within arm's reach at all times? Do you ever, know, do you ever not know where your phone is? No. We keep pretty good tabs on our phone, right? And at the times that we misplace our phones, because we've all done it, how do you react? You anxious, right? We get anxious, right? We panic. My wife, uh, she, got, she, got a, uh, she got a watch. She can press a button now, and it, it, her phone will beep. And so, so when I'm sitting down, and I hear that random beep, 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 I'm like, oh, Jane lost her phone, and she can't find it, and she is trying to locate it because of the beacon, right? We got that anxiety. The second a notification arrives, right, do we take out our phone and swipe endlessly? Like, oh, I got a notification. Someone texted me. Do you regularly take out your phone and scroll endlessly? Don't lie to me. We're at church. Do you feel that you have to catch up with what's going on? We need to stop filling every quiet moment with scrolling. We need to stop filling every quiet moment with scrolling. Be still and know that I am God. And I, I am guilty of filling up any quiet moments that I could have had with God with just more noise from my phone. And for me, it isn't the phone so much, but my computer. But it's the same thing. I'm not innocent. Big screen versus small screen, it's the same. It's still a distraction. There's a book that you can find on Amazon, How to Break Up with Your Phone. I think after, after the Bible, we probably need to read this. I don't have an affiliate or sponsored link, okay? You don't need to like or subscribe this. All right, you, you guys go find it on yourselves. It says that it's important to give our brains time to pause and rest instead of trying to cram every spare minute with, with our screens, our sweet, sweet screens. Apparently, our brains need rest. And when we are bored, like maybe waiting in line, right? How often do we see that, right? We just whip out the phone. We feel that we're trapped and we turn to our screens to medicate. But if we are still, it gives us opportunity for peace. In the past couple months since the surgery, I've tried to be more still, less busy, less distracted by my phone. Jesus himself knew the value of rest. Even he needed rest. If you remember in the Bible, we read about him withdrawing to a solitary place to rest from the crowds, and he would pray. I think, I think Jesus is an introvert. He called his own disciples to find a quiet place and rest. Um, here the context is uh, they were all out day doing ministry, okay? And when they returned, Jesus says to them, Come with me by yourselves to, to a quiet place and get some rest. They, I think they haven't even eaten yet. Taking time to be quiet and alone is good for us. But many times, man, we just sit on our screens for, how, for knows how long. When we wake up, what do we do? We reach for our phones. And when we go to bed, what do we do? We're on our phones right before we, put, we, we go to sleep. Our brains have been hardwired to instinctively reach for our phones and begin scrolling, begin scrolling as soon as we wake up. 
After all, we have messages to answer and pictures to look at and posts to comment on or like. But we should push past these habits. We don't like being bored and we don't want to be still. We feel like that we have to keep on moving. We feel that we have to keep on doing. We feel that we have to be productive. Be still and know that I am God. No matter what is happening around us, God is our refuge and strength. And this is what I felt during this past couple months. He is God and we can wait on Him even in the middle of all this chaos. Be still and know that I am God. Let's take time to pause and reflect and meditate. God is in control no matter what happens in our lives. And I know I'm not the only one with drama right now. I know there are families here and you guys have, you guys have stuff going on in your lives. Health scare or not. Let's, ti- let's take time to be still and reconnect with our faith. Let's, let's find peace in the middle of the busyness and distraction in our lives. Let's be thankful for what we have. And you know what? Let's take time to remember that trials are part of God's plan, His good and perfect plan. My trials too. We can use this time to pray and ask God for guidance and strength. I think being still isn't easy. Being still isn't easy, especially with today's smartphones and distractions. But let's take time to be, to be thankful and remember what God has done for us. My personal recovery from surgery was long and it was hard for me. And I'm actually still recovering. And I remember telling Mike that I was really bored. Uh, it was physically hard for me to move around. And it was, it was emotionally hard for me to want to do anything. It was physically hard to move around. And it was emotionally hard to want to do anything. Jane had to take Jonathan to daycare. Jane did more of the, the chores. Um, I couldn't even drive initially. I was stuck at home. And even as I got physically better, there was a mental psychological block knowing, you know, the cancer and all the anxiety that I had. That I'm like, I, just, I don't know if you've ever been there, right, where you just mentally, just, I, don't, I don't feel the drive to do anything, even if you're physically capable. But one thing kept coming back to me, to be still and know that I am God. And suddenly in that recovery, like I had a lot of time to be still. (laughs) I didn't have to worry about things to do, places to be, youth kids to take out and talk to. Be still and know that I am God. We make time for things that are important to us. How many of you guys floss before you go to bed? Oh, a handful. I never did until recently. Uh, we have time, and I used to give the same excuse for exercise, like, I, had, I don't have time to exercise, um, but I used to also play a lot of video games when I was single, and so I definitely had time to exercise. I never used to floss my teeth. I remember trying to get in the habit late at night, but man, I was, I was just so tired, and I was like, you know what, <sighs> brushing's fine. I don't, flossing is just so extra, and I, I don't have cavities, so I, I haven't I, I don't see any negative effects of not flossing. And you know what? I floss regularly. I floss every six months when that dental hygienist flosses right after she cleans my teeth. 
once every six months is regular. I floss my, someone else flosses my teeth regularly. Oil change for a car is once every six months. That's called regular. Why can't it be the same thing for flossing? I floss regularly every six months. You know, okay, so I know the analogy breaks down because our bodies need more frequent upkeep than every six months, and we don't change our, 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 our car oil every, every day. And I finally got in the habit of flossing several years ago, and now I feel gross if I go to bed without flossing. For those of you who floss, do you feel the same way? Thank you, Alice. I see Alice nodding. Okay. No, everybody else is like, well, Alice, thank you. So flossing and brushing my teeth are the same level for me now. And I never thought I could say that, but it's true. I don't do one thing without the other. Like showering, right? It's once a day. We all shower once a day. Please, right? (laughs) And the reason I got into it is because I realized and I saw how brushing wasn't simply enough to take care of my teeth, that the plaque buildup was starting to cause some serious issues with my teeth, and that the dental hygienist and, and the dentist were all pointing it out. And so at first, I started flossing only the night before I was going to see the dentist. (laughs) Then it wouldn't be so bad, right? When they looked at my teeth the next day, get rid of the big stuff. After six months of not flossing, how well do you think I fooled the dental hygienist? Yeah, Roger, you're right. Exactly right. My gums still bled a lot, right? And they said, you know, when you floss daily, your gums don't bleed. So that was a dead giveaway. That attitude I had about flossing, I think is the same attitude many of us have about church and our faith. Maybe some of us think that going to church every week is like brushing our teeth, right? It's it's the bare minimum we're willing to do. It's the bare minimum we're willing to do. Brush your teeth and go to bed, and that's it. No more thinking about it. Same thing with church. Come to church, sing some songs, listen to a message, grab grab some food on the way out, and that's that. Get on with the rest of our Sundays. We are busy people. We have places to be, people to see, things to do, right? We're busy. We're distracted. And during the week, maybe we forget about God. We forget about Jesus. We forget about the Holy Spirit. Just like flossing. We forget about it. We feel that we don't really need it. And for years, I don't feel that I really need flossing. Who needs to floss? My teeth are fine. I've gotten away with it for so many years without flossing. I'm okay, right? Until it's not. So let me replace flossing with our faith. We don't really need God. We don't really need Jesus. We don't really need the Holy Spirit. I'm fine. I've gotten away with it so many years. I just come to church. Maybe attend a few activities. That's about it. And I think flossing is like a spiritual disciplines, praying to God other than meals reading the Bible, being in Christian fellowship, not just hanging around Christians, but being in Christian fellowship with others. And the reason we don't do our spiritual disciplines, the reason I didn't floss for many years, is because of the most expensive currency in the world, time. I think time is our most expensive currency, not money. All these years, if I could have had the benefits of flossing without actually taking the time to floss, I would have taken that, sure. But flossing takes time, and I'm tired at the end of the day, so I chose not to floss. Praying, reading the Bible, all that takes time. 
And maybe it's boring, just like flossing is boring, and we don't see an immediate benefit, so we don't do it. And maybe we don't see an immediate benefit to reading the Bible and praying because we don't think God hears us, and the Bible isn't relevant to our problems. We see immediate benefit to brushing our teeth, right? Our mouth, uh, our mouth feels clean. There's that minty, there's that minty fresh smell. You can tell if you have brushed your teeth or not, right? But flossing, eh, not so much. You can't really tell. And me flossing the night before a dental appointment, that's like me praying really hard and freaking out and going to God, right when I have, right when there's a storm. Right when there's a trial, not because I was talking to him and praying to him every day for six months, but just once, only during my trials, when we haven't been in communion and fellowship with God, and then and then going to God, help me out of this jam. I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but help me out of this jam. So when I said I feel gross about not flossing, I want us to. I want, I want us to get to a point where we feel gross when we haven't had enough time with God. Does that kind of make sense? Like we rely on Him. Like if we haven't read the Bible or talked to God that day, we just feel gross. Like, oh, I need to, I need to talk to God. I need to read what He says. Like we, need, we need to feel that way like we do like brushing our teeth or showering. Like we desire that time with God, no matter how tired we are or how busy we are that time, that we make that time to be with God. Like, like we make that time to brush our teeth or shower. I rely on brushing and flossing and other things daily to keep up my physical body. Let's talk to God. Let's be still to keep our relationship with Him, to keep up our spiritual body. Can you imagine if my wife and I communicated only once a week to take care of our family and build a relationship with one another, it would be impossible. There's no way that talking once a week would be enough for us to get through the week. Like, like we would somehow meet Sunday night and discuss the plan for the entire week and then be like, okay, that sounds good. Thank you, Jane. I'll talk to you next Sunday. Can you imagine doing that with your spouse? Our son just started kindergarten a couple weeks ago. Every night, there's stuff to talk about and debrief. Like, like why, do kindergartens e- e- why do kindergartners even have homework? But I don't know, but here we are. And my wife and I have to deal with stuff every night and help our son along with his tasks. But this is how we sometimes treat God. We come to church on Sunday, get our fill, and then basically say, thank you, see you next week, God. I don't need you for the rest of the week. I'm too busy. I can't be still. Be still and know that I am God. Let's be still. Let's pause and reflect on God's presence and power. We can find peace. We can find, I'm sorry, let's be still. Let's pause and reflect on God's presence and power. We can find peace and strength in God, even in the crazy busyness of our lives. Let's trust in God. Let's believe that all things will work out for our good even when it's difficult. And for me, when I found about the, about the cancer, it's, it's hard to think, oh, this is going to work out for my good. I wanted to give some practical ways to be still and meditate on God and His goodness. Be talking to Him throughout the day. I don't always sit down 
on my knees, close my eyes, uh, bow my head, and pray to Him. Sometimes I just talk to Him like a person. Like, God, why did this happen? Hey, God, really thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Um, I've done a lot of thank yous recently. I don't, I don't, sometimes I'll pray when I'm driving. Obviously, I don't close my eyes. Sometimes I'll pray when I'm, you know, just um, at my computer. Take some time to pray and meditate in God's Word. And I researched this. Apparently, it takes one to three months to form a habit, depending on what the activity is. One to three months. And I had to do that for flossing. Flossing took a time. Sometimes I do it once or twice a week, and then I would stop for a couple months, okay? It took me a while to, to, to get flossing. I had to push through. And one way to incorporate reading the Bible into your life, you know, you know we're on our phones anyway. Maybe you have a Bible app. You know, I know we love our phones. And I've tried to stay in the Bible app for a while. There are Bible app streaks, just like Snap streaks. So if you're, into Snap, if you're still into Snapchat, doing this so they become second nature. And if reading electronically isn't for you, crack, uh, uh, crack, crack, not crap. Crack, did I say? Okay, we'll see what the live stream says later, okay? Uh, crack, open your physical Bibles, all right? When was the last time we opened our physical Bibles, right? Bible app has a verse of the day. And if you want to go more in depth, you can get daily email from Christian web, devotional websites. I do. I've signed up for them. Okay? Just, just sign up for those. All right? Or open up the app. Just read it. It, it takes a couple seconds to read, to, to read your thing. And, and it, the Bible app will keep track of your, of, your, um, of your streaks. And if you're not already reading the Bible each day, take some baby steps. If you don't have it downloaded, maybe download it. Spend time in nature and appreciate God's creation. Be still. Sometimes I sit in my backyard, and I'll just pray. We have a couple seats there, and I'll just say, and I'll just commune with God early in the morning. And, um, and then the mosquitoes come, and, I, and then I go back inside. Um, and I'm not trying to be funny, but we, we have, we're against a wash, so there's a lot of water. Um, maybe, you, maybe you can listen to music that is calm and uplifting, Sometimes at home for Jane and I on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, we will play long worship sets on YouTube, on our TV, like all day on Saturday or Sunday. And at night when I read to Jonathan right before bed, sometimes we do one or two worship songs. He loves that part. And he has some favorite worship songs already. I'll bet you he has some more lyrics memorized than some of you guys, right? Jonathan loves this part where we just calm down, we are, we are still uh, we, read, we read some normal books, and we read a thing out of the Bi- a Bible book that I have for them, and then we'll end with one or two worship songs. We're still, I, my phone is put away, my computer is, you know, it's a different part of the house. We're, we're trying to be still and know that He is God. Be with nature. Read the Bible. Maybe spend some time with people who encourage and support you in your faith. Maybe it could be your church family, or if it's not, if you have close friends who go elsewhere, who go to another church, that's fine. Be in fellowship with them. Be in fellowship with us. There's men's group. There's a women's group. There's, there's youth group. Get connected. Maybe do something creative, such as painting or writing or playing music. Let's, let's get off our phones. We're going to have another art night in a couple weeks. It's cool to see what people come up with. Come. Up with. come. Take Take a break from that hustle and bustle of everyday life and relax in a quiet place. Pray. Talk to God. Can I challenge you all? 
Be still with your thoughts. Let's stop every quiet moment with scrolling or other to-do lists. Sometimes I zone out, and my wife uses a phrase, fatai. If you speak Chinese, do you know what that phrase means? It means to stare blank- blankly, to be in a daze, to be lost in thought, to zone out. She'll say to my son, uh-oh, daddy is dying again. Watch out. Can any of you relate, or is it just me? Dawson, thank you. Josiah, thank you. Just two. Just the, just the three of us. The three of us are the only ones that, that zone out. I will just zone out. I'm not saying that if you start, all of a sudden start the fatai, that you're going you're gonna to be amazingly closer to God, okay? And if you start the fatai when your spouse is yelling at you, that is not a practical way to get closer to God. But what I am saying is clear our minds, put away our distractions, be still and be still and know that He is God. I think my wife is wise. And she clued me in when I was talking to her. I'm like, man, what is God trying to say? And she came to me as my wife, as my spouse, who makes me a better person. Maybe to be still and focus on Him, Andy. Now, I am going to look at my portfolio less often. I already have. I've taken some active steps. I'm going to work on my pride, my humility. I want to be nicer to others. These are all behavioral things, and we know behavioral things. We cannot earn our place in heaven. It is by, through His grace, but by faith. And, and I worry that today's message will do more to convince you to floss your teeth although I think I've made a good case for flossing, rather than to be still and know that He is God. So from this message, I'd rather you be still and know that He is God than floss your teeth, but do both. But let's find, let's find peace and strength in His presence. Let's trust in Him to help us deliver us whatever challenges we may face. And I, and I pray it's I pray it's not cancer that any of you will face. Let's set aside our busyness and distractions. Let's be still and know that He is God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, down here on earth, there are a lot of, of busyness and distractions. We love to be on our, we love to be on, on our screens, Father, knowing what the world is up to and communicating with each other pictures and posts, messages. We know this, this can become an idol for us. Father, I pray that you send the Spirit to convict our hearts to, to convict our hearts to be still, to put aside that which distracts us from you, to focus on you, and for us to make that priority, Father, that we feel gross, Ugh. that we haven't spent time with you, either through talking with you or praying to you. Be with us, Father, as we struggle down here. There are a lot of things happening. We know there's an earthquake that happened in Morocco. We pray for the situation there, so much life lost. Through all this, we know that you are our strength and our refuge.
Help us, Father, to be, to be still and know that you are our God. In your son's most holy and precious name, amen.